That's all right. Well, go ahead and grab a seat. It is wonderful to be with you. My name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors on the team. It's lovely to spend Christmas Eve with you. Uh, we have been talking about a, a theme all week long. It's what I really want for Christmas. And so tonight, what I thought I'd do is take a look at some letters to Santa written by kiddos this year. So first one says this, Dear Santa, I wanted to tell you I'm fine. I don't know, but if you can, could you possibly make it so I can turn into a dragon, please? Or a pet dragon, either one will do, though I would like it if you can make me turn into a dragon. Well, Santa does have a certain Christmas magic, but I don't know if it... It's like that. Here's the next letter. It says, Dear Santa, how are you and the reindeer doing? I'm doing fine. I want a new football game and a football because my little brother always tries to steal mine. He may look sweet, but he is the devil. <laughs> so I'm glad he looks sweet. Anyway, the third one, I, I just thought was a, a very appropriate for the Northwest. Dear Santa, how are you? I'm good. Here's what I want for Christmas. HTTP backslash backslash www.amazon.com. These letters can be very, very specific. Thank you, Amazon. But they're all attempts at answering the question, what I really want for Christmas. And so that's been the theme. We've been unpacking that theme all month long. And what we've discovered is really, really interesting. The first thing we discovered is what I really want for Christmas isn't a what at all. It's not things that are going to fulfill us. In fact, what we really want for Christmas, it's the wrong phrase, it's, it's really who who we really want for Christmas, specifically the who of flourishing relationships. We want the relationships we have with our loved ones to be relationships that flourish. The next thing we discovered is in what I really want for Christmas had to do with the really want. And what it turns out is what we think that we really want isn't what we really want, but we don't know it's not what we really want until we get what we thought we really wanted and discover it wasn't what we really wanted. Tell you a story. Ten years ago, my, uh, my son was four years old at the time, Caleb, and we had this family outing that we were taking to Polsbo. And while we were there, his uncle Mikey said, hey, Caleb, why don't you pick something out from the store and I'll buy it for you. So Caleb, with his arms behind his back, began to survey the store and, and he would pick up a, a spyglass or maybe some pirate gear. He would look at some of the toys or books or there are many, many wonders in this store. But he always kept coming back to the same item. Finally, he went over and gently picked it up and took it to his uncle and his uncle asked if it was okay with me if he bought it. And so I kneeled down and I said, hey, buddy, are you sure you really want this? And he assured me, yeah, this was the item that he wanted. So his uncle bought it for him, and, and Caleb proudly carried it out of the store, down the street. He held it lovingly in the car, on the ferry ride, all the way home. We still have this item 10 years later. What he had selected that day was a spatula. This is it. It's great with the eggs. I'm not so sure Caleb has really used this spatula very much, and and the reason why I bring that story up is because sometimes we don't know what we really want. And because there are so many options out there, we're unsure. Or sometimes we think we do know what we really want, but when we get it, we find ourselves deeply unsatisfied. 
And in fact, that's the problem with the question itself. What I want for Christmas or what do you want for Christmas? It makes the entire season seem like it's just an exercise in getting. And that can leave us really disappointed. It can leave us really frantic as we stress about what it is that we really want. And we don't want to miss the opportunity to get what we really want. So we make detailed lists. But by and large, we might end up holding a spatula and not really know what to do with it. Of course, there's an antidote to all this. And we talked about the antidote being simplicity and contentment and gratitude. Because when we practice simplicity and contentment, what we do is we set ourselves free to be truly thankful for the blessings that God has, in fact, given us. And it's like a DNA that we can embrace in our families, a DNA that can run through our friendships to be truly thankful. And then the third thing we've discovered is that it's not what we want for Christmas, it's what we want from Christmas. Because there are certain things that we want from this season. And specifically, we want to be mindful and loving. We want to harvest beautiful memories. It's as if this season is saying, be awake now. Don't miss the opportunities all around you to love, to take mental snapshots, to really harvest all of the divine moments around us. And tonight what we want to do is we want to take a look at the Christ part of what I really want for Christmas. The Christ must. In fact, you might already know this, but the word Christmas comes from two words, Christ's mass. And Christ's mass was an old English tradition. It was a service and a festival that was designed to celebrate Christ's birth. And I, I want to just guess that maybe there are some of us here tonight who really aren't so familiar with all of the circumstances that surround the birth of Jesus. So let's watch this video together. What's up, everybody? What's up? Hi, how are you? Good. Thanks for joining us today. <laughs> What's so funny? It just made me laugh. All right, so we're going to talk about the Christmas story. Take me to the beginning of the Christmas story. The angel appeared to Marianne and said, you are the most needed, and God dearly, dearly, uh, I don't know how to say, loves you, and um, he, and you're going to have a baby. How am I supposed to know? Because I'm not even married yet. Joseph, he had a white beard, white hair. He was wearing gray clothes. So he looked like Gandalf. And what did Mary look like? She had like a dress on, but it was white, and like a little cape over her, her head. And then Joseph and Mary had to go to Bethlehem on the donkey. Uh, how long do you think it took? Maybe about five days. That sounds about right. Then the donkey went to Bethlehem. They wanted to find a pl an inn. There's a place called Inns. All the inns were all too full. They were just like kind of disappointed. One man said, you can go to my stable where all my animals are. And they went on to the barn that they told them about. There was a cat in the barn. There was some nice sheep. Elephants. 
donkeys, cows, chickens. Like a doctor, so, so Mary can get the baby out. Mm-hmm. The baby was born, and all the animals gave us joy, and, and then the cat made them a bed. They um, used a manager where animals eat out of. They put um, baby Jesus into this manager. No, 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 it was a manger. Some shepherds in the field. I think they were babysitting sheep. One angel up here said that your state savior has been born in a stable in Bethlehem. And all suddenly, um, a whole army of angels um, appeared to them singing, respect God in all of his way, your ways, I think. And then, um, and they say, give praise, there's a baby. There was three kings. They followed a star, I think it was God. Then they saw a stable, they went in it. They said, we should probably give them presents. And what gifts did they give him? Maybe milk, Christmas tree. A turkey and a snowman. They gave big, they gave big joy. They had a great day. And that's the end of the story. And that is the greatest story ever told. How do you think you did? Nailed it. Nailed it. More or less, right? Parents, we're just giving you an opportunity to fill in some blanks, correct some theology. You're welcome. But what is clear from this video and what's very clear from the scripture is that Jesus is the gift of heaven. That Jesus is the gift that God has given to us at Christmas. In fact, the Bible says this in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. You see, Jesus is God's gift to us, and that's the gift that we celebrate at Christ's Mass, at Christmas. And it's in his name that we give gifts to one another. In fact, I was inspired by some friends of mine who give gifts to their family, um, and it's really a simple way they give gifts to their kids. They give uh, something they want, something they need, something to wear, and something to read. And as I was thinking about that, I thought, what a great way to celebrate the birth of Jesus. What a really practical way to honor that birth. And then it struck me that in some ways, that's exactly what God has done for us in giving us his son, Jesus. So as we get into it, this Christmas, just see that, that as God has given Jesus to us, he has given us something we want. And, and what is it that every human heart longs for you see, every heart deeply longs to be known completely and to be loved totally. To be known and loved without limit, without reservation, that, that there would be an unconditional love for us. In fact, the Bible talks about what God's love is like, and the Greek word that it's used is the word agape. Agape means unconditional, unlimited love. And this is the love that Jesus has come to bring to us. In fact, the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 13. Love keeps no record of wrongs. 
In fact, the word that the Bible most often uses to describe God's love is the word unfailing. Unfailing love. And that kind of unfailing, unlimited, unending love is the love that Jesus brings for you and for me. It's that thing that we desperately want, all of our hearts yearn for. And so what God has given us in something we want is his love. The next thing that God has given us in Jesus is something that we need. Something that we need. As humans, it's curious that we don't realize the urgency of our need until what we need is unavailable. You could imagine... um, You're in a dark, cold parking lot, and it's 10 degrees out, and you've forgotten your coat, and you're fumbling around trying to find the car keys that may or may not be in your purse, right? The urgency of your need has risen because of the situation. Or when you're a a kid, right, children understand this, typically when we get what we need, it's not exactly something that we want. It sucks, or it's that nice protractor for math class, right? My friend Jenny was telling me a story about a special tool that her dad gave her called the vehicle escape tool. And she keeps this in the center console of her car, and it's designed for one purpose only, to cut her seatbelt and shatter the glass of the driver's side window in the off chance that she should ever submerge her car in a lake. I think we have a picture of that tool right here. (laughs) It's a good choice, Caleb. No, that's not the spatula. But, But the interesting thing about this tool is it never made it on a list of items that Jenny wanted. In fact, the truth is she might never, ever want this tool over the whole course of her life, save for that one moment, God forbid, when she should find that she actually has driven her car into a body of water. She won't want this item until the exact moment that she needs it. Well, you see, this is exactly what God has given us in something that we need. What is it that we really need? We need life. We need abundant life, and we need eternal life. And the moment that we need this life is right now. So because God knows exactly what we need, he has given each one of us his salvation. We need saving in this life and saving for the next one. And so Jesus came to offer what we need more than anything else, what only he can give. Jesus came to save. This is what he tells us in John 3, uh, 17. He says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. See, the Bible tells us this, that that all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short. Each one of us has wandered away from God's path to pursue our own path. And even in the midst of that, the Bible says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners, while we are still going our own way, Christ died for us. You see, this gift of salvation It's not being offered because we've somehow earned it by being good enough. No, just the opposite, in fact. It's freely offered to us because we desperately need it. 
Each one of us has made poor choices along the way. We've been selfish or proud or rude. We've been complaining or vain or greedy, and the list goes on and on. And rather than judge us or condemn us, Jesus came to grace us and to forgive us and to cleanse us, all as a part of saving us. You see, something that we want, his love. Something that we need, his salvation. But then God continues to give something to wear. You see, it's easy to see when someone opens up a, a gift on Christmas morning and it's closed, you can tell right away by the expression on their face if they're going to be excited about wearing this or less than thrilled about putting it on. And the Bible instructs us to clothe ourselves in Christ. It turns out Jesus is always in style. In fact, let me break this down into the local Northwest dialect. Just as an evergreen tree is clothed in bark and a salmon is clothed in scales and a skywalker is clothed in a Jedi robe, lots of nerds here in the Northwest, so we are called to be clothed in Christ. The Bible says in Romans 13, 14, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, we're to slip into something more comfortable. He is the model that we are proudly displaying on the runway of life. You see, the image that comes to my mind is that of a fashion show or a red carpet. She's wearing Versace. She's wearing Armani. He's wearing Ferrari. But the problem with these fashion statements is that they are only skin deep, and they don't sink down into our character. You see, what wearing Christ, what being clothed in Christ means is this, that we actually wrap his character around us, that we actually put on his life, the life that he lived. And as we do that, as we let him shine through us, his character be lived in our lives, then we actually become more and more like him. We become more loving. We become more kind, more gracious, and more generous. So that's what it's all about, the idea of us receiving something that we want in his love, something that we need, his salvation, something to wear, that's his character, and lastly, something to read, something to read. And you probably already know this, that God has given us his word, the Bible, this amazing love letter to each and every one of us. And it's amazing to me, just a few moments in the morning, just a few, you know, reading a few verses that, that has the ability to change my whole perspective on life. It's uplifting, it's helpful, it's practical. St. Augustine says this, the holy scriptures are our letters from home. Or Psalm 119 says it this way, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. You see, the something to read is his word. But even more than just a book to read, the Bible describes Jesus as the Word becoming human, the actual Word of God, the thoughts of God becoming flesh. And so we don't just read in the Bible about Jesus. We don't read about his life or about his teachings or, or, or about what it is that he wants for us. We have a chance to actually read him, to be present with him. Because he told us that he will never leave us, he'll never forsake us, that he's going to be with us all the way to the end. The Bible says this, 
So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love. There's that word, unfailing. Unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. You see, the gift of God at Christmas is Jesus. And all these things are given to us. And friends, Jesus was like no one else who ever lived. You see, the King of Kings is humble like no other. The Lord of Lords was born in a barn. The Prince of Peace was laid in a feeding trough. In the kind of unsanitary conditions that we would never want our loved ones to enter the world into. And yet, Jesus chose purposefully to come in this lowly way so that he could be accessible to everyone, regardless of status or station. Humble like no other. Jesus is also gracious like no other. He taught and he modeled, turn the other cheek. He taught and he modeled, love your enemies. In fact, at the end of his life, when he was being nailed to a rough wooden cross, he prayed for the very people who were torturing him. He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Gracious like no other. And Jesus is Savior like no other. He desires our salvation, not our condemnation. In fact, it's the very purpose for which he came, the unique gift that he offers. You might not know this, but the very name Jesus means God saves, God delivers, God rescues. He saves like no other. And finally, Jesus is Christ like no other. By the way, Christ is not his last name. That's his title. It means Lord. It means Messiah. It means God's anointed one. And it's the original Christmas gift, the gift of heaven from God to us in the person of Jesus. What I'd love to have you do is I'd love to have you notice how underlying all of the things that we think we really, really want for Christmas is a picture of the gift of God in Jesus. Why don't you watch this video? What I really, really want for Christmas is peace. And not just a quiet house or a quiet room, but I would really like peace within my relationships, in my family, and peace in my relationships with my neighbor, and also true peace for my community as well. That's what I really want for Christmas. What I really want for Christmas is for our young adult children to know that we're really not trying to run their lives. We just want them to know the joy and peace of knowing Jesus. What I really want for Christmas is a complete healing from a recently diagnosed lung disease. And if not a complete healing, then an understanding for my wife and I on how to manage this disease and what lo life looks like in the future. What I really want for Christmas is to be home um, in Kentucky and to be able to celebrate this season with my family and friends. This Christmas, what I really want is courage. I want to be brave and step out in my faith and just take risks this year. Uh, this Christmas, I really want to just be able to spend time with my family and my sister who moved down to California earlier this year. What I really want for Christmas is for God to expand our family through adoption, hopefully a little baby girl because we have been waiting for almost two years now. But if that is too much to ask, I just want God to give us the peace that he has the perfect plan for our family. 
And because I'm so greedy for presence, I want to extend that peace to my community and to the country because I think that is needed today. What I really want for Christmas this year is to rediscover my zeal for God. What I really want for Christmas is a deeper connection with my family. Even though they live in the area, we don't see each other as often as we'd like. What I really want for Christmas is faith. 2016 has been a ridiculous year and it's tested my relationship with God and my trust in Him. So this Christmas, I want faith, faith in His plan for my work, for my family, for my friendships, for my future wife. And that's what I really want for Christmas. Yes, he's single. <laughs> and he's playing guitar right behind me. I'm just saying. Could be a very Merry Christmas for someone. But I want you to notice in that video, uh, underlying all of their stated desires, sort of underpinning all of our hopes is this, something we want, God's love, something we need, God's salvation, something to wear, God's character, something to read, God's word. Uh, underneath all of these things, and it's given to us in a person, the person of Jesus. And so I want to give you an opportunity tonight to unwrap the gift that God wants to give to you. Tonight, you, you can unwrap the gift of Jesus. You can receive this gift into your own life. And the most amazing thing that I know of is that you and I have an invitation to speak directly to the Lord of the universe. We can talk directly to God through a vehicle called prayer. And all it is is just simply and sincerely in your heart that you would reach out and you would talk to God. So why don't we do that right now? Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes and let's pray together and let's receive the gift that God has given us in Jesus Christ. Dear God, we want to say thank you. Thank you for the way that you do love us, the way that you carry us and provide for us, the way that we are all gathered together to celebrate Christmas. We just want to say thank you for that. And right now, God, what we want to do is we want to receive the gift you've given us in Jesus. We want to unwrap this gift, and, and we want to receive Jesus into our lives. We trust him. We receive the love that he brings to us. We receive the salvation that he offers us. We want to wrap ourselves in his character because we know that's not only the best life for us, it's the best life for all those around us. And we receive the gift of his word. Jesus, we say thank you for coming into our lives. Thank you for being the gift of love and salvation for us. We receive you now, and we ask that you would give us the courage to live a life that shows that we are yours. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.